This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. Hey, we've been talking about how to be victorious in the valley, and I'm going to just cruise through some of the points that we've made. Like Number one thing that we talked about is unshackle God from thinking that only a victorious life can only be found in mountaintop experiences. It's only during, you know, like your, your life in Christ will only be um, victorious in, in a honeymoon state of relationship with God and unshackle God. And so that was the number one thing that we learned. Uh, embrace the valley. Uh, some of us have lived in the valley a long time and sometimes we're there more than the mountaintop, but uh, that's part of life. And here at Mosaic Church, we don't judge people for uh, being in the valley. You know, if your car breaks down, uh, you lose your job, uh, you have health issues, we don't equate that as that you're being rebellious. Embrace the valley. So remember that. Second, uh, third thing is remember God has his reasons. Fourth thing, it's not all about you. Sometimes maybe your valley is there's a reason for it, and it's not about you. And I know that there are times where I've been lamenting. You know, I was in the valley, but little did I know that God had a bigger plan and purpose for me uh, experiencing these moments and times. Uh, then we talked about asking yourselves, what do we need to learn while we're here? And so... That's one, that's one of the first things I ask the Lord when I find myself in a tough situation. Lord, what do you want me to learn? I don't, I'm not saying that, I'm just telling you uh, description, not prescription, all right? Is I don't uh, lament and why me, I do ask the Lord, what do you want me to learn? The th- sixth thing we talked about is be aware when attacks most often happen. You, you know yourself best when you are at your weakest point, and that's when the enemy comes to take opportunity of your weakest points. Does that make sense? It's not that everything is uh, because of the devil, but I'm telling you the devil is right around the corner waiting for opportunities for, people to, uh, for him to, to uh, jump on. And so, so be careful. Be aware when attacks often happen. Listen and listen to the Lord and obey. We're going to repeat that today. Then we talked about, last week we talked about be careful who you partner with. Then we talked about believe for grace and mercy. Be merciful and walk in faith. So today I want to challenge us. Uh, Before I go on, uh, Kyle did a phenomenal job last week, and we're very grateful for his life, and we're grateful that he came back and he shared uh, his his message with us, and for those who didn't see it, you can always catch it online. He was very blessing to us, so thank you. Hey, so part four today is I want to challenge us. The the Lord wants to speak to you this morning. He doesn't want to speak to your wife. He doesn't want to speak to your friend. He wants to speak to you. So let's just pray real quick. Uh, we're going to say this together out loud. So you'll just repeat after me. But I'm going to basically say so you know what I'm saying. I'm going to say, Lord, speak to me and help me listen. All right? Lord, speak to me. Just repeat after me. Help me to listen. Amen. It's so easy to be distracted, um, and especially in our culture where we're easily distracted. Years and years and years ago, before there was a Mosaic church, there was a church 
that uh, had billboards all over town. And usually the advertisement was, come to church and learn about uh, perfect marriage. And uh, so that was their ad campaign. Or uh, Then later on they had a series, how to grow your church. Uh, that was their campaign, you know, or, or come to church and you're going to be really blessed. That was part of their campaign. Um, they also had a campaign on how to have a strong, a strong financial retirement plan. And that was his campaign. That was their campaign. And they kept billboarding and campaigning their uh, church. And, um, and, of course, lots of people flocked to the church. And I don't want to assume that I know what the minister's motivations was but I do know and I recognize that he was hitting a sweet spot amongst Americans and sometimes Christian Americans. Is that Americans, we love formulas. We love formulas. We go through bookstores or peruse on Amazon looking for books to help us find easy solutions to difficult problems. Diet books, financial books, healthy emotion books, how to beat cancer books, leadership books, how to win friends books, how to influence people, how to get rich fast books. And usually the people that are really finding success are the ones who are writing the books because a whole bunch of us are buying the books. But why do we buy these books? Why do we buy these books? Because I believe we love in our culture, we love uh, formulas. We love formulas. Too many of our brothers and sisters in faith also love and have fallen prey to uh, love these formulas. You know, I've been to churches, and you probably have too, where if you tithe, if you tithe, that's the formula. What's going to happen? You're going to get tenfold and a hundredfold. And so it's a real challenge for motivation. Is it, am I giving because I'm giving to the Lord or am I giving because I want to get tenfold? You know, I know some people have invested in financial investment in people because they thought they would get 30, 40, 50%, 100% return. And at the end of the day, what happens? They didn't get that. It was too good to be true. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't tithe. I'm just saying some. Times brothers and sisters in the Lord will use that to motivate us to get something in return instead of giving joyfully unto the Lord. I can honestly say in our 15 years here at Mosaic Church, we don't play that, uh, that formula. We don't do that. We ask that you give and give to the Lord. So uh, sadly, these formulas don't always work, right? If they did, I would have been skinnier by now. So I bought a few of those books. Sometimes uh, I have to sneak my lunch past Natalie because she's eyeing me, you know. I, I sometimes do, you know, have you heard of the keto uh, diet? I do OTEC, the opposite of keto. So uh, lots of carbs. Too many times we want our spiritual problems to work like microwaves. If we just press this button and this button, it, it just all gets better. I remember being in a circle of 
uh, young Chi Alpha men early on, and we were all in a circle, and it was like a confession circle. It was like almost a football huddle. And this one young man decided to confess prayer, and he struggled with lust. And he was like, Lord, and he's praying, he said, Lord, I pray that you take these feelings I have for women away. And I backed up. I said, that's not really the answer to his problem. All right. You don't want these feelings to go away. You want them to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. So I disconnected really quick. So uh, uh, my poor, and we kind of chuckled and I tried to talk to him and disciple him through it. It's like, no, let's pray that Lord helps you during these times. Uh, Not just take away these uh, God-given emotions towards the opposite sex. The Lord, many of us have prayed, uh, maybe I've in my youthful days, said, Lord, take this desire for food away from me. And so, but that's not the answer, is it? I'm telling you here, and as a pastor, life is complicated. Even for the Christ follower. And I think miracles fall into this category. We talked about it. Uh, we sang about it earlier. And I wish there was a formula. But I found that even miracles are complicated. Have you experienced that? That sometimes it's not uh, a simple uh, say this thing and it happens. It's always weird for me to hear, uh, you know, and this is just an example. I've never actually seen it, but the scenario I've I've experienced where maybe you have a car accident and a child dies in, in one car and saved in the other. And then you have one mom's like, thank you for the miracle of saving my, my baby. And then the other car, the baby doesn't survive. And so those kind of things kind of like I'm trying to wrap my mind around it. And, it's, and I realize that life is complicated. I can't explain those scenarios. But I do know without a shadow of a doubt that God is good. Amen. And his ways are not like mine. And we talked about that. And speaking of miracles, if you have your Bibles, Joshua chapter 10, verses 1 through 14. But I'm only going to read the last few verses. And if you guys know the story, on the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, and Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, Son, stand still over Gibeon. How many know the story? You've read the story of the sun standing still. I saw Jeremy raising his hand. So if you have any uh, real detailed questions, just go to him. He can answer all of them. So the sun stood still in the middle of the day. And it says in verse 14, there's never been a day like it before or since. A day when the Lord listened to a human being, surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. Then Joshua returned with all of Israel to the camp of Gilgal. Now, if you look up online uh, about the possibilities of how did this happen, how did the sun stop in the middle of the day and delayed going down for a full day, I can say this with confidence that I know that God is able to do whatever he decides to do. He can turn it purple. He can turn the sun upside down. He could do whatever he does, and he could do it. However, I cannot explain this scenario. I have some ideas, but this morning is not about my ideas of what actually happened. 
I do believe that God can intervene in, with divine power in the natural order, shattering our intellectual theological attempts to fully understand and explain God away or explain everything, and then maybe in our explanation and try to explain everything away, shrink God down to a foggy mist of the supernatural world. A long, long time ago, excuse me, before I go there, I have some distant relatives that attend a, a liberal congregation. When I say liberal, I'm not talking political, all right? I'm talking about theological. And uh, basically, um, the way I can explain it, and I'm not trying to agitate anybody. I'm not trying to throw fire uh, on a bonfire. I'm not trying to add gas to a bonfire. I'm just telling you, this is how I observe it. It's, it seems interesting to me that the church that my distant relatives attend basically live and dine on what I call a diet of doubt. They question everything. They don't know if, you know, they, if they believe in God, it's that he's like way out there. Uh, but they explain everything away or just say it's a myth. And again, I cannot speak for every single church. I have no idea what every church speaks about. Generally, they explain away everything. And maybe it's, it's, it's presented uh, somehow with like, or just what I call higher criticism. They doubt that the Red Sea was ever parted. I remember I was in college at Western Carolina University and my religious professor who went to one of those liberal congregations said that the, it was never, the Red Sea never parted. She tried to tell me it was the Reed Sea. So they doubt miracles and, and they doubt water actually ever came out of a rock. Uh, they doubt uh, the virgin birth. Uh, I was here at a, uh, um, a debate uh, with Lin William Lane Craig and the other guy was coming, uh, he was, he says he was a Christian, but he doubted there was, Jesus was born of a virgin birth. They, he, he doubted that, uh, that he, he died, and, but he doubted that he rose again. And he, he did not believe in the bodily resurrection. I find it difficult to define yourself as a follower of Jesus if, if, if the, the Jesus that we're reading about and following isn't raised from the dead. I, I would have a hard time wrapping my mind around that. They don't believe he actually was raised from the dead. And Paul talks about what happens if he didn't raise from the dead. This is just a waste of time. I'm not trying to be uh, dis, I'm not trying to be um, irreverent here, but to me, that kind of Jesus who, who was just a good guy, he was maybe a, a prophet, uh, but was not really God and was not, uh, didn't really die, and, and, and if he did die, he definitely didn't rise from the dead. Then um, I saw a funny meme the other day is uh, don't ever show up to a redneck picnic with sweet tea and call this sweet tea. It's not the same, is it? 
It's not the same. It, uh, the Jesus that they're talking about is not the same Jesus we're worshiping here today at Mosaic Church. So if you know, if you're from the South, you know that ain't sweet tea. Let's go back to the headline. Early in my journey with Jesus, my parents attended a great church up in Dix Hills, Long Island, New York. Anybody know where Dix Hills, Long Island, New York? It's in the middle of the island. So think of Long Island, right slab in the middle. I did not live in Dix Hills, Long Island, New York. I went to church in Dix Hills, Long Island, New York. I lived on 2nd Street. Now the church we went to, they loved Jesus. They served Jesus. They did and still do believe in the virgin birth. They still believed and did then on the bodily resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. But they believe that God has stopped doing those things, those miracles, once the Bible was written. Once the Bible was completed, those supernatural uh, events that God had, had done through people stopped. So these brothers and sisters that I call them brothers and sisters do believe in God, but they, what I would say, put on the emergency brakes on the way God had been doing things. And all of a sudden, he stops. And again, I'm not trying to stir up trouble or stir up an argument, but it is interesting, the first church that I talked about doesn't believe he ever did any of that. The second church, who I call brothers and sisters in Christ, and I've learned so much from them, and I'm still learning from, their, from them, is that God did those things, but he stopped 2,000 years ago. Back to where I lived, I wanna show you my house. This is actually a Google street map photo of my house. It looks really nice there. It was not nice when we lived uh, back in the 70s. Uh, there's two arrows, you can't really see them, I don't know. Uh, there's a red arrow that's pointing to my house and then there's a black arrow, you'd have to zoom in, uh, but the black arrow is pointing to the parking lot of a train station. Right there, there's a parking garage. There was no parking garage when I lived there. I learned to ride my bike in the parking lot of a train station. So every day, I would hear loud noise of the train and parking lot. It was literally right behind me. However, I went to church in Dix Hills. It was about a 20-minute drive away, and it was a much more affluent community. And I remember uh, talking to my friend, it was third grade, and we actually were arguing. He was trying to convince me, and he was very convincing, that there were no trains nearby, that you had to go to New York City to get a train. Of course, we're only third grade, you don't know any different. But I had to tell him, no, there's trains nearby, because why? Because I experienced the trains every day of my life living there. I heard the noise of the train, I saw the, uh, the trains, and sadly, I used to go over there, don't tell anybody, I used to throw rocks at trains. <laughs> the point I'm trying to make, and again, I'm not trying to be funny or cute or any of those things, I am already there. 
just because the train doesn't run past this kid's house doesn't, is not proof that trains don't exist. And I'm here as a pastor at Mosaic Church, and I think with the full confidence of our leadership, I'm here to say that the same God who walled up the Red Sea, turned the Nile into blood, fed a prophet with, via ravens, healed a blind man, raised Lazarus from the dead, is still the same God we serve today. Have you ever heard that a leopard can't change his spots? I believe God can't change his spots. He's still the same God yesterday. And I say this, um, I don't know why I'm getting emotional. I'm not trying to be controversial. But I'm telling you that the same God we serve, that, that we see in the Old Testament and the New Testament and throughout church history is the same God of today. The God of the Bible is the God of miracles. Again, some, some people would say that they don't exist. It never existed. They can explain everything away. Some believers, lovers of Jesus, say they're not for today. They no longer happen. God put the emergency brakes on. But I say the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joshua, David, Elijah, Elisha still lives. The same God that, that the apostles served and disciples lived and died for still lives. I don't believe God is getting senile and he's forgotten how to perform miracles. Now, one of the biggest things I'm challenged with, and again, this message might be about me and not for you or for me, not for you. I've confessed in the past in our church that sometimes I struggle because I'm a, what I would call a naturalist. I struggle with being a supernaturalist. I, however, this morning and throughout my ministry life, I'm choosing to live by faith and not by sight. I have decided, and I pray that we have decided to follow Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible, not the Jesus of my experience or lack of experience, or not the Jesus of your, only your experience or lack of experience, but the Jesus of the Word of God and the Jesus in the Bible did and does miracles. So I'm not sure how to explain scientifically or logically how the sun stood still. And there's some very good plausible uh, explanations. You can look it up. But the way I read it, Joshua calls on God because he knew God, who he knew who he was, and he knew what he was capable of doing. So this morning, I'm... I'm challenging us as a church that God is more than able to hear our calls for a miracle. He's more than able and capable. So the 11th thing I'd like for us to pay attention to is to listen to God. So how to have victory in the valley is listen to God. Joshua 10.8 says, And the Lord said to Joshua, Fear not, for I have delivered them into your hands. So listen to what God is talking to us and telling us. One of the hardest things in my ministry life and maybe in your life is what I would call balance. 
when praying for people. In a few minutes, I'd like to pray for people, just so you know, we're going to be heading there. You know, I have a friend of mine who, uh, when I asked him to pray for someone, uh, maybe to be healed, I mean, he gets super loud and very, um, like, just like demanding and commanding. He's not demanding God, but you know what I'm talking about. It's like, in the name of Jesus, you know, he's just like screaming it. And um, I'm not judging him because I love him and I think he's a godly man and I, I would, I would, I, I just love him. But for me, the balance is, is that me forcing God's hand? And on the other end of that balancing board is maybe if I don't pray with any faith or fervor, for God to heal, will that just begin to feed into my unfaith and dilute my faith? It's, I'm just telling you, um, it's not easy. Do I pray with fervency and loudness and command, or do I just sit back and quietly with no faith or very uh, no emotional uh, uh, steps of faith? I will just say this. Joshua had uncompromised faith and it came from a clear word from God so the thing that I want to challenge us with is listen to God listen to God listen for his voice I know many of you have already heard this story a zillion times uh, but some of you have not and I'll just be as quick as possible I had a deformed ear had five six surgeries it didn't go well so the only solution I had was to grow long hair. And from, from the very day in first grade, when the, I used to have to wear a football helmet to protect my ear in school without the, the mask. And so uh, when I tell my kids that or my grandkids, they think it's funny. Uh, and I remember taking my helmet off and uh, one girl, uh, Mia, all right, she screamed from horror. She literally screamed like, ah, like she saw Frankenstein. And so uh, from that very moment on, I started growing my hair long. And all the way, so uh, how old are you when you're in first grade? Uh, six, seven years old, all the way to age 33. So 26, 27, 26, 27 years, I kept my hair long. I covered it. Nobody knew it. Even Robin, when we were dating, didn't know I had a, this ear of mine. I kept it hidden. And then one day I was in a, in a meeting room at the old frat house, in what we call the red room because the carpet was red. And I was just praying, said, Lord, I've given you everything. I've done everything. I've done everything, you know. Lord, there's nothing I haven't given you. And I, there's no way I would have thought it myself. I heard the Lord say, speak very clearly. I want you to cut your hair short. And I remember like, where did that come from? Because there's no way on God's green earth I would ever have thought it. I was already accustomed to having long hair, even when it was no longer the trend. Sometimes I'll, I like to show pictures of me. You'll see me with my long, flowing black hair. But it was the Lord. He spoke clearly to me. So the first thing I recognize is that God had a miracle for me. I just didn't know it. I didn't even pray for it. But he wanted to give me a miracle, so I listened to God's voice. And the 12th uh, thing that we want to learn is obey as specifically as you can. 
Joshua acted immediately and specifically. I knew that I would be a coward by nature. So I stood up in my meeting space with my, my students who were with me. I said, listen, the Lord spoke to me clearly. I want to tell you because I want to walk in obedience. And I told them, and they didn't even know I had a bad ear to cover. So they were all, all these students were surprised. Like, you know, at first, they're like, okay, you're going to cut your hair short. But they didn't know why the Lord told me that. And so little did I know the Lord had some victory for me. It's, uh, to this day, I still cut it short, not because I want to. Okay? Um, I still have little kids staring at me. And I don't really like them staring at me. But it, it's not bothering me anymore like it used to. But I want to continue to walk in obedience. All right? It wasn't like, cut your hair once. I really felt like the Lord said, cut your hair, keep it short. The Lord has given me so many uh, victories because of that freedom that I found in him. But be as, obey as specific as you can. Joshua acted immediately and specifically. Too many of us sometimes want to race past God. But more likely, what we tend to do, and I'm maybe projecting onto you because I'm looking at my own life, is that we are not obedient in his timing. We wait for it to fall in our laps. You know, Jesus tells his disciples, go into all the world and make disciples. And so that's an act of obedience that we need to do. Obedience is, I believe, and this may sound formulaic, okay, I struggle with this. Obedience, I believe, is, is opening a door to God using you. I'm here to tell you that true miracles happen. True miracles happen. We sang the song, didn't we, Bryce? You just sang it. You know, we just sang about miracles happening. Joshua needed more sunlight to accomplish what he accomplished. But guess what happened after he accomplished what happened? The sun set, right? The sun set. The sun set. And even though the sun didn't stay up there the whole time, all day, all night, it's set. And Joshua still serves God even when the sun stood still and even when it set. The good news is that God can see in the dark. Isn't that cool? That the sun doesn't have to set high in our lives. It could be in the dark as well. I've prayed for people to receive miracles and they've been healed. But I've also prayed for people to receive miracles and guess what happened? At least in the natural, nothing happened. We just recently prayed for our dear friend, Dana Hoover, who was suffering from cancer. And she came to our conference in Phoenix, and we, all the elders of our ministry prayed over her, anointed her. Two, two weeks later, she was gone. But God is still in the miracle business. Scott is, God is still with us. He's on the mountaintop, and he's way down down in the dark areas of the valley. God is still the same yesterday, today, and he will continue to be. 
So I'm here to say, if you need a miracle, God's here to perform miracles. I don't know how he'll do it. It's his timing. I believe his viewpoint, vantage point, is better than my vantage point. Does that make sense? Back in the day, we'd see Coach Bobby Bowden on the big tower watching from his vantage point versus being on the ground level coaching from that vantage point. So I believe God can perform miracles. Some of you need miracles right now, right? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads in a second, and I'm going to, ask, I'm going to pray for you. There's all sorts of things that we might need. We might need physical healing. We might need emotional healing. But I would like to pray for you because I believe without a shadow of a doubt that God can heal you this morning. He could do it instantaneously or in his timing. So every head bowed, eye closed. I'd like to encourage any one of you, say, Pastor Mario, I need a healing. You don't have to tell me what it is, and you don't have to tell anybody what it is. God knows. But just maybe a step of faith and you say, Pastor Mario, I'm going to raise my hand. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.